0: ليعل Saying
1: all of that, it still
2: very much feels like as a community we are held as a suspect when such incidents occur. And as a result, there are calls from people, from the public, for us as a community to look within, within ourselves as a community and try and combat extremism from amongst within ourselves, as we as a community are, are the problem. And there's calls for a counter-narrative to combat what's, what's labelled the extremist ideology. So quite naturally as a community, um, given this environment and this climate, we must feel maybe on the defensive, quite confused, and concerned about what the future would be for Muslims in Britain. So it's entirely appropriate that we hold such events, uh, such discussions, for us to sort of ask what questions or the concern and discuss the concerns that we may have and discuss a way how we can move forward given the current climate. We're joined by Dr. Abdul Wahid, speaker to my right. Dr. Abdul Wahid is the Chairman of the Executive Committee of Hizbittah in UK. He's already spoken in uh, national conferences in the country already and has for years spoken publicly um, on such issues in public talks and in the media. Uh, Dr. Abdullahi will inshallah speak for around 25 to 30 minutes and then after that we shall uh, open it up to you guys and it will be an opportunity for you to um, discuss what concerns you have, comments and any questions that you may have. So uh, inshallah... After that, there will be um, refreshments,
1: uh, inshallah, and you should give us lots of time to, for, uh, to, uh, to muggle that uh, masjid, inshallah. So about further delay, I'll pass it over to Dr. Abdoubar. I start with an uh, ayat of the Quran. A'udhu billahi minash Rajim. Ya ayyuhal ladhina اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلحكم عمالكم ويغفر لكم wa ومن يطي الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما Allah ta'ala says in Surah Ahzab, the 33rd Surah of Quran Addressing the believers, all of us Believers, اتقوا الله في الله Have consciousness of Allah وقولوا قولا سديدا. And speak words Straightforwardly Directly To the point and correctly okay? So Allah's telling us believers One of our characteristics Should be we fear Allah And with that fear of Allah We speak things very frankly Honestly, truthfully and frankly And Allah says <laughs> And if you do that Allah will make your actions correct, and He'll forgive you your sins. The one who obeys Allah and His Messenger, the one who obeys Allah and His Messenger, is a great, great, great success for them in the akhirah. Okay, so we are definitely a community in this country under huge pressure. Okay, in the last month, that pressure got worse, and I think most of us. When we face this kind of thing, you just wish the problem would go away. We would just rather not say anything, rather than speak. But the problem with that is that there is a lot of political agendas going on. And if we don't speak what's truthful and factual and correct, we're going to be just a victim of other people's games, instead of setting an agenda ourselves. So, with that in mind, I think it's very good that we're meeting today. In the last one month, since what happened in Woolwich, okay, definitely you can say, at the, at the least, amongst uh, the non-Muslim public our neighbours, there's more suspicion of Muslims. And at the worst, you see like the English Defence League with their protests, and, their, and people attacking Muslim sisters, people attacking mosques, and this kind of thing. And then, amongst that, we're used to the tabloid media, Islamic terrorism, Islamic terrorism, Muslim terrorism, always linking Islam with violence every opportunity. And then you also have the politicians who continuously exploit the issue. And, And that's important to understand, because when you read what the politicians are saying in public, and you read what they're saying in private, you can understand more of what's going on here. And one, the most prominent one who spoke in the last two, three weeks, was Boris Johnson, the mayor of London, who wrote a big article in the Daily Telegraph. And he, like all the politicians, Tony Blair, David Cameron, Johnson, Boris Johnson, they all start with, you know, I have a great respect for Muslims. Most Muslims in this country are peaceful, law-abiding citizens. Okay? That's how they start. As if, imagine if I'm going to start criticizing one community in this country, black people, Asian people, women, elderly, doesn't matter who I'm going to criticize, if I start off by saying, I have great respect for most black people, right? But then, after having said that, I can really stick the boot in, yeah, because I've just made it clear that I'm not against everybody, I'm just against certain people. He did that, and the others do that. They start off with, I have great respect for most Muslims, and then he stuck the boot in. Uh, and when he stuck the boot in, he said very clearly, he said, these people, and one, in one article, he went from these people who killed a soldier in Woolwich, who believe in issues like, and then he listed a whole load of issues, which actually, if you go to any imam in this country and ask them, is there something in Islam called jihad, called sharia, called khilafa? called Ummah, Muslim Ummah. Are these things, you know, existent in Islam? He say yes, these things are in, in Islam. right? So he, he said, the people in Woolwich, and people who believe in these kind of things, Okay, he didn't say people who do jihad in the streets of London, he just people who believe in these kind of things. Um, these are people we want to get rid of, we want to deal with, in universities, in mosques, in madrasas, in... Etc., etc. Mosques, universities, I don't believe they had anything to do with the two guys in Woolwich. I never heard that these guys got radicalized in some university. I never heard they went to any madrasa in this country. And I never heard that they had anything in the mosque. But immediately linking these things, so starting with this murder and then going to these issues of Islam, then talking about mosques and communities, and then finally talking about Abu Qabada. Abu Qadada, the the uh, they call the radical cleric who they've got, they're waiting extradition. So what he's got to do with it, Allah only knows. But you've got this article which is making this argument. And it's making an argument which they've made in this country for the last ten years. The more political you are as a Muslim, if you talk about Iraq, Afghanistan, Palestine, Kashmir, these kind of issues, the more political you are, the more dangerous you are. Okay, the argument they're making. And the more Islamic you are, if you pray, if you fast, if a woman wears hijab, if, she wears, if a man has a beard, uh, if you uh, go for Jummah, if you have in a gathering like this, separating men and women, even now, if you've seen some of the newspapers, they complain about this in the universities, when some Islamic societies, they have the brother sitting one side, sister sitting the other. This is now called extremism. Okay. So the more Islamic you are, the more dangerous you are. This is the narrative. This is a very dangerous narrative, because actually if you think about it, it means that the one who dares to speak up about an important issue in the world, even speak about it, is being labelled extremist. And the one who is more practising in Islam, who wants to follow sunnah, or sister wants to dress like a Muslim sister, or sit separately, or talk about the issues that Boris Johnson talked about, Sharia, Jihad, Khilafah, Ummah, these things, that immediately you're going to be called an extremist. And you're just one step away from being a, a, a accused of being a terrorist. And that, that's, the, that's the danger if we stay silent. Okay, so this is why we have to actually think about this as a community. And when I say as a community, I mean those Muslims who like part of national organizations right, who speak on the TV, who come on the TV, those Muslims them, I've spoken to them personally, and I know them, and they're our brothers but I have advice for them, I have advice for those Muslims in our local communities who are linked to mosques, linked to schools madrasas, I have advice for our youngsters, because there's advice specific to our young Muslim brothers and sisters, and then there's some general advice for all of us about how we deal with non-Muslims and actually how we face this challenge ourselves with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? Because this pressure is a test on us from Allah. And we have to know how we bear it in front of Him. When I spoke to the, uh, some of the people from the leading Muslim organizations, my advice to them was, you know what? You could have said this was wrong. You could have said this action was not from the right way of changing Islam, without speaking in a way that accepted blame. Okay, Because when you come out and you say, we condemn, we condemn, we condemn, in such a way that everyone watching you thinks you're guilty, and you're trying to push the, you know, the blame away, you have to say, to some extent, every Muslim wants to make it clear, this has nothing to do with Islam. At the same time, you don't go to a point where you're accepting blame for the whole community, because then the policy is not going to just take these two brothers that did this wrong action. It's not going to just deal with them through the law. It's going to deal with all of us. If you accept collective blame, there's a collective punishment. And this is a big danger for us. And we'll see in months to come, at the moment the Prime Minister has said, there's going to be a task force that looks into this. Some of the people he's appointed on that task force are very hostile to Islam. So when they come and report, it will be on all these issues which have nothing to do with these two have done this. As I said, mosques, universities, madrasas, nothing to do with these two, right? what, what led these two. But there will be policies for all these things. This was my advice to them. And it was advice that came because for more than 10 years, there have been people advising governments in the US and the UK and in Europe about Islam and they actually wrote reports think tanks who write papers and publish them online you can go and read them yourself in the UK there's one called Civitas it's an organization that's run in London it has close links to the Conservative Party and 10 years ago it wrote a report about Islam in the West and it concluded in one paragraph, which said, it's not enough for the vast majority of decent, peaceful, law-abiding Muslims to renounce terror in principle. So it's not enough for you and me. According to them, it's not enough for you and me to say that killing people in the UK is wrong. That's not enough for them. They went on and said, if they choose to live in Western liberal democratic societies, they must accept the values of liberal democracy as Jews, Sikhs, Hindus and others have done for many years. So what this means is, if you're against murder, or terrorism, or killing, or any of these things, that's not enough. You have to become westernised. That's, that's the, the blame speak for this. You have to adopt the values of this society, and then you're okay. All right? That's, the, that's the, the argument. And then they put down plans the government should follow to try and westernize Muslims more, so some of the things they put in schools, some of the regulations of mosques through the Charities Commission, some of the ways Islam is dealt with in the media, all of these things they put them down. And in America, the leading think tank there called the RAND organization published a huge hundreds of pages report, and in that report, it didn't talk about Muslims in the West, it talked about the whole Islamic world, and they said, you know what? In the Islamic world, more and more Muslims are becoming practicing and they have more and more feeling for Islam. And we have to do something about that because if we don't do something about that, we'll lose control of that part of the world. Okay? If the, at the moment, you know, we all know that the governments in Saudi Arabia and most of the Middle East countries and in Pakistan and Bangladesh, we all know that they actually serve more the uh, agenda of Washington and London and Paris than they do the Muslims in those countries. So they said, you know, if the feeling for Islam grows up, those people will get removed. And you'll have some kind of Islamic state there, and we won't have any control on them. So we should promote the less Islamic people. We should promote the more westernized people in those countries, fund them, back them, promote them. And actually, that should be... So, it's not just a policy for the UK. It's not just a policy for America. It's a policy across the whole world. They wrote this very openly, how they should do this. In fact, if you look at the way they talk about Syria on the TV, you know they start saying, there's the rebels, and there's the government. And two years ago, they were saying, this government is the Dalin government. It's oppressing the people, killing the people, bloodshed of peaceful protesters. All right? And now, two years later... They see that those rebels, actually, mashallah, they're very good people, people of Syria. They went out into the street peacefully and they got paid with bombs and imprisonment and torture and their women were dishonoured and all these things. So then, when they were attacked, they fought back. And when they fought back, mashallah, they didn't say wave the Syrian flag. They took the flag, which is the flag of the Prophet وسلم. Either a black flag or a white flag with kalimah written on it. Because they said everyone's forgotten us, we only have Allah. And they when they had their armies, they named their brigades like one after Khalid bin Walid, one after Salahuddin Ayyubi one after Umar bin Khattab one after, like this. So when they started to see that the western media and politicians, they start saying Al-Qaeda has come to Syria. Okay? So the, the Al-Qaeda story starts. Al-Qaeda is in Syria. And then now, if you listen to the news, they say, we don't know whether to give them weapons or not, because we don't know if they're good guys or bad guys. And in Turkey, in Cairo, in Qatar, they meet with people who they think are the more westernized ones, the ones they can play with. Because they're worried about what will happen if this. So you can see this way it's going. This is the game. And you know what, brothers? When you see what's happening in Woolwich. You have to understand, and anything that happens in future, God forbid, Allah forbid, if we see future things like that, or anything that happened in the past, you'll see the same game happening. They'll link the violence to Islam. And then they push you in one of two camps. On the one side, I can say in the red corner, you have the, the, the nutters, right? The Muslims who come who say angry things, who are encouraging the violence, the ones who did the killing, all this stuff. So they put them on. Right? So the ordinary Muslim sitting at home watching the TV or in the mosque, he thinks, look, I don't want to be linked to them. I don't want to be linked to the ones who killed the soldier. I don't, I don't have any love for the British Army, but I don't want to be with those people who killed a soldier on the street when he's wearing plain clothes. Yeah. So that's the ordinary Muslims thinking that. On the other side, they put on TV somebody else who says, you know what, these people who killed this soldier, they believe in this, they believe in this, they believe in this. And Muslims should distance themselves from these ideas as well. So you shouldn't believe in the sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You shouldn't believe in the idea that there's something called jihad. You shouldn't believe in the fact that we're one ummah around the world. And they, they say this. So you've got these two camps. Either you're with them or you're with them. Right? And in the, in the pressured environment, of course, the ordinary simple man and woman is going to feel more comfortable if he's not with them.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? And, and actually, we need to find a way, this is my address to our community leaders, you should speak to your imams, people in mosque committees, local people, this is the need, we have to find a way of speaking about Islam honestly, truthfully, yeah, speak straightforward words about what we believe, what we don't believe, without being pushed into the camp of the nutters, you can say, or the camp of the ones who are compromising and trying to actually change the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, no differently to say uh, people have done in the past. There have been many people who have tried to twist the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger. And change things. So you can take any one, take any one of these issues that I said Boris Johnson labelled. he takes the issue of jihad. Either you're supposed to believe that what happened in Woolwich is jihad, which it's not. All right, or you're supposed to believe jihad is nothing but jihad al-nafs. Okay, and if you believe that, then butter Fatul Makkah. Salah, Salahuddin you'll be liberating Palestine, Umar Muftar resisting occupation in Libya, the Muslims in Kashmir, Muslims in Palestine, Iraq and Afghanistan, all of these are nothing. Right? If you believe that. All of this is gone, right? This is how can this be right? We are Muslims, we know there's one thing which teaches us in Quran and if, if, you, if you believe, if you know, in fact, shouldn't we, you know, I believe those brothers in which, who made this mistake, I believe if you allow in our communities more opportunity to discuss the things that people are worried about, you actually help to guide people like that, rather than to letting them get into a position where they just check on Google what they can and can't do. There's Imams who've said, since this happened, we're too scared to even mention the word jihad from the member. Why? Because we'll get accused of being extremist. So, if that's the case, how do you expect young people to even know what is right and what is wrong? How do you expect young people... We, We had a system in Islam, where Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and his successors knew that Allah gave a reason when people can fight and not fight. He said, when you're allowed to fight, when you're not allowed to fight. When you're allowed to send an army, when you're not allowed to send an army. And when you're allowed to sell an army, this is what we call Jihad fi and when you're not allowed to, this is the treaties, the peace treaties, wrote books on these things. Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, before he sent an um, army, he said, go forward in the name of Allah. Don't kill an old person. Don't kill a child. Don't kill a young person. Don't kill women. Don't transgress the limits or steal. And reconcile and behave well. For Allah lo- loves those who do good. Whenever he sent an army out. But our Imams are too scared even to discuss this issue because of the pressure in the community. Surely we should be going out and saying to people you need to allow, discuss properly, properly. Not what's happened in village. not this just this media stooges that come and say what they're paid to say, actually what Islam says on these issues. Surely we should say when they talk about Ummah, right, in the one corner, if you believe we are one Ummah, right, and that they want you to believe. That if you're one ummah, and your ummah's being attacked in Afghanistan by British or American soldiers, that now everybody in the street, including an old woman or a child or anybody, their blood is legal. Right? That's the false narrative on one side. And the false idea on the other side is that, you know, this idea of ummah, it's old-fashioned. All right? We now live in British Britain, we are British 110%. Yeah, when, the, when the Queen comes on TV we stand up, we say, God save the Queen sing, God save the Queen Not say, you know, and, and actually you can see the pressure, I don't know if you know but some mosques after what happened in Woolwich they opened their doors, they said, you know what we want to show how British we are, so we're going to raise charity money for the British soldiers okay, look I don't think that any Muslim should go and kill a British soldier in the UK, alright? I don't think that. But if I believe that, it doesn't mean to say I suddenly hug every British soldier like he's my beloved. I know people here respect their soldiers a lot, so I don't have to go out and rubbish their soldiers in public. At the same time, I don't have to embrace their soldiers in public. Yeah? There is some way in between ...that a Muslim can be honest and truthful about having loyalty to our ummah. Yes? Who is maybe suffering, who is suffering. And at the same time, this Sharia of Allah ordered us to be good to our neighbours wherever we are, whoever they are. When Rasulullah wasallam gave the, the rights to the neighbours, he didn't say those rights are if they're Muslim neighbours... He didn't say that. He said neighbors. Your neighbor might even be a soldier, and the goes, still, his hak over you is the same. Doesn't mean to say you start supporting an army of occupation who is oppressing the Muslims. At the same time, this Sharia you can't pick and choose. So my message to the, the elders in our community who have links to our mosques is encourage discussions. About, allow these discussions to happen because if you don't you will see more young people just doing what they want to emotionally and going into village and that brings me on to my my message to the youngsters you know for us for a young muslim you can see this stuff on tv or on the web about syria about afghanistan about iraq and sometimes hideous photographs emailed around of victims and you'll feel angry, you'll feel frustrated. And wallahi, that's the right feeling. There's no, nobody can say that if you see these things, you shouldn't feel angry. But the Muslim doesn't act on their emotion. The Muslim who feels angry acts according to what Allah and his Messenger says. It's not right for a Muslim just to go from feeling upset and angry to acting on that upset and anger. Rather, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Gave a way to change a situation And that's the way you follow You can't just pick and choose Allah said ya aamanu, O believers Young, old, men, women, children udhulu Enter into Islam completely Alright So the Islam That tells, tells those Muslims In Palestine and Kashmir And Iraq and Afghanistan To defend their land and it does tell them that, is the same Islam that tells you and me that you can't go and do what you did in Woolwich, that you have to be good to your neighbors, that you have to follow certain rules in how you change things. And Allah gave a method for that. Allah wa ta'ala, Allah's Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, He said, Inna man imama al Only the imam the khalifa is a shield. يُقَاتِلُوا مِنْ warahi wa The khalifa is a shield. You fight behind him and you defend yourselves by him. When we see zulm in the Muslim world, Allah's messenger gave a method of how to end that zulm. And it wasn't by taking the law into your own hands. It was by having a state and a ruler that uses the army to defend people, just like any other state and ruler does in the world. And those Muslims who feel for that should support those people and work for that, rather than take the law into their own hands. Indeed, he sallallahu wasallam, with his own Mubarak eyes, saw his Sahaba and sahabiyat being tortured in front of him. You know you've heard the story of Yasir and Sumayyah the first martyrs in Islam. Sayyidina Yasir and Sayyida Sumayyah and Sayyidina Sumayyah most brutally tortured and even she, she was when her limbs were being pulled apart by ropes. The Prophet saw that and he said sabr have patience eh ay Yasser, jannah will be yours. He didn't grouped together the hundred or so Muslims in Mecca at the time to liberate them by force. But when he established his state in Medina, he did use his armed forces to defend that state and to carry Islam. And we need to understand that. And you can see, if you don't talk about these things, how will young people know about these things? We have a duty here. I'm going to wrap up now. We have a duty here as Muslims collectively. When you see people like the English Defense League, when you see the slander that the media and politicians make on Islam, it should remind us of something. Allah ordered us to give (laughs) da'wah. Call to the way of your Rabb with hikmah, with wisdom, and the best words. (laughs) And debate with them nicely, in a good way. Don't have to just say, accept wrong things, you can discuss and debate with them, but in a good way. You know what? If we follow this command, you will be doing the very work that is necessary here in the UK for us, to actually be speaking the truth, explaining to people about Islam, and actually, in the same time, explaining what we believe and what we don't believe. I, I'm sure in a town like Woking there will be non-Muslims here who will be just have a hundred questions in their mind they'd love to ask you. But they're too polite to ask. You'll have a few that say abusive things. Definitely. But the majority, the silent majority, they will have a hundred questions to ask you but too afraid to ask. It's one of the reasons why we started this No Muhammad Wasallam campaign. Alright? Because... It's Through this, you can actually explain honestly, truthfully about Trent, a very small town, I think probably similar size to this town. They had 2,000 people on one weekend at very short notice. And in Birmingham, mashallah, they had 12,000 people come into the mosque. And although the majority that came were Muslims, there was a substantial number of non-Muslims in each of these places, and several people who took shahada, mashallah. In fact, more women took shahada than men. That gives you some idea. And they weren't afraid to talk about any of these issues. In fact, you'll find if you try and do an exhibition or talk about Islam without being ready to answer, what does Islam say about terrorism? What does it say about fighting? I opened a copy of the translation of the Quran and it said this verse talks about this, this and this. How do you explain that? If we're not capable of answering those questions, and we can't just hide away from these things. You have to actually be able to answer them in a way that's truthful, honest, and at the same time, you know, c- convinces the person you have a valid view. You're not all nutters, basically. And we have to do that. That's essential, brothers. This is a uh, big test on us. This ayat from Quran, Allah says. Uh, يا أيه الذين آمنوا ادخلوا يا أيه الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولاً صديقاً يرسل حكم أعمالكم ويرفع لكم ذنوبكم وما يطيع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فاوزاً عظيماً one who does this is a great success then he explains afterwards what the test is right this test the str the pressure on Muslims you and me were under a test right Allah says